This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Forest of Reading has announced their nominees for 2024. The list contains books aimed towards the kiddos, the children's. Karen McKay is the communications manager for the Center for Equitable Library Access. Karen has some more details for you. Hey, Karen, how are you? Great, thanks. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Nice to chat with you on a different day here. Karen, you've talked about the Forest of Reading before, Canada's largest recreational reading program. But what are they putting on offer to young readers across the country? So I really love this program. It's a reader's choice program. So kids get to read a selection of books that the Forest of Reading puts out. They have to read at least half of them. And then they get to vote on their favorite. And then um, there's this sort of really great energy around the whole program. How can the kiddos participate actively? Obviously, it's easy to sort of passively say, here's the list, you're going to read them. But how can they actively get involved? So some schools, many schools across the country offer the program. A lot of libraries across the country offer the program. But if you're not in a place where there, either of those are options, you can also just um, participate individually. So you can sign in through their website and, and participate that way. So lots of options for people. Karen, I'm going to have to start practicing saying the words 2024, even this time around. It kind of stunned me. The 2024 nominees, I'm still working on 2023 over here. But when are the winners going to be announced? So the way the program works is that kids can start reading the books now. We've got um, some of them already in our collection. And then they start voting in April when voting opens. And then the uh, winners are announced at a big festival in May. It's kind of like a a rock concert for uh, kids and and authors and illustrators. It's got this really great energy about it. And then it's streamed live. So even if you can't come to the festival in person, you can participate digitally. So that takes place in the middle of May usually. Karen, I really appreciate you're so far ahead of the game on this one uh, because I'm a procrastinator by nature. But if you start telling me things this early, I can get ahead of the game. Maybe, potentially, possibly. Forestofreading.com, forestofreading.com to learn more about the program. And maybe, hey, you want your kids' school to get involved. They're not already involved. Forestofreading.com is the place to go for that one. Karen, from children's books to... uh, Halloween and some spooky themes only 12 days away from the uh, trick-or-treating experience and you want to highlight a few books to get people in the mood so one of the first ones you've got here and I'm going to get a little closer to my screen because uh, this just looks like a collection of letters Venko by Sherry Dimaline. Yes. So if you rearrange those letters, it spells out Coven. And that's sort of the whole theme of the book. So Sherry Dimaline, folks probably know her from her uh, Marrow Thieves series, which was highly acclaimed and award-winning. She's a Métis writer from the Georgian Bay Métis Nation. 
And this book's a little bit different. It's a bit of a departure for her. So in this book, our main character is Lucky St. James, who's a Métis millennial, and she's living with her sort of cantankerous but really quite lovely grandmother, Stella. Lucky's barely hanging on. She's got all the sort of the millennial real-world real problems. And then she discovers they're about to be evicted from their tiny Toronto apartment. So one night she's sort of ruminating and she sees sort of this strange um, vision and she it calls out to Lucky. And so she starts digging through her wall and she finds a silver spoon that's etched with a crooked-nosed witch and the word Salem on it. And it's sort of humming with this otherworldly energy. Miles and miles away is Myrna Good. She's in Salem and she's looking for Lucky. And Myrna works for Venco, which is a front company fueled by these dark money resources. Yeah. Lucky's familiar with the magic of her ancestors, but she's no idea that the spoon links her to Venco's network. So she and her uh, grandmother end up going on this road trip. There's generations of witches that have been waiting for centuries for these seven spoons to come together and to restore the power um, that belongs rightfully to women. So the the main character, Lucky and her grandmother go on this road trip but there's a always there's a villain his name is jay christos and he's a witch hunter and he is trying to track down these seven witches uh it's as i said it's a bit of a departure it's a bit of a lighter read it's got some kind of quirky characters the the villain's kind of over the top uh one reviewer that i read said it's a, like a bit of a witchy remake of the golden girls but there's some really strong themes here about women's relationships about how women obtain and lose and return to power and how our ancestors uh draw us into that power so the whole premise is based on the belief that these seven witches will get together and women will become more powerful it's a it's a, a more common sort of theme that we've been seeing lately about women and their power it's really beautifully written it's quite funny uh and there's this lovely relationship between lucky and her grandmother so it's it's a great book to pick up oh, quick read sounds great sounds fantastic you've got another one here it's mother thing by ainsley hogarth so Anthony Hogarth is another Canadian author. This book is a very darkly funny uh, domestic horror book. It's about a, a woman who must take drastic measures to save her, herself and her husband from the vengeful ghost of her mother-in-law. So the story starts with Ralph and Abby. They move into Ralph's mother's um, home to take care of her. She's an elderly woman. And Abby hopes that it'll be just what she and her mother-in-law need to finally connect. She's Abby's had a really traumatic childhood and she's desperate for a mother figure, but Laura's not interested at all. And then in the first chapter, Laura commits suicide. I'm not giving anything away here. That's the whole premise of the book. Ralph is plunged into a depression and Abby is terrorized by this otherworldly force that's trying to pull apart everything that she loves. She works as a at a senior's home and she's got a favorite residence there and and uh, mrs bondy plays a big part in this in this book and then abby's sort of um, understanding what's going on around her so abby has to come up with this sort of chilling plan that allows her to keep mrs bondy in the home where she needs to be and to rescue ralph from his tortured mind and that breaks the hold of this curse on the family it is darkly funny but it deals with some really deep topics about mental health grief parental abuse and addiction and the author really uses a lot of humor to sort of diffuse some of the tension between the characters and at key plot points. It's laugh out loud funny. Uh, there's some some sharp language in it, if that's something that folks want to be aware of. Uh, but it's a it's definitely a thriller. Really good book if you want to be scared. That is an art form to delicately walk that line of mature, important themes, but still make somebody laugh out loud funny. Karen, you just sold me on that one right there. That's my kind of book. Awesome. 
Karen, let's shift over to When Things Get Dark by Shirley Jackson. So this is actually a collection of books that honor Shirley Jackson. Her, um, she has a short story called When Things Get Dark. And um, there's a Stoker Award-winning uh, chilling anthology. There's 18 short stories that pay tribute to Shirley Jackson, collecting some of today's best horror writers. So it features Carol uh, Joyce Carol Oates, which folks may know, Josh Mailerman, Paul Tremblay, Richard Condry, uh, Stephen, or Stephen Graham Jones. There's a there's a long list of them. Uh, the the book is really um, a tribute to Shirley Jackson. So she, as you probably know, is a seminal writer of horror and mystery fiction, and some of her stories still uh, resonate with me. I remember reading The Lottery in grade school, and I still remember that story, and it just it horrifies me even to this day. So uh, folks will find lots to be scared about. They'll find lots of interesting threads about um, some of Shirley Jackson's themes, some of her, there's sort of throwbacks to some of her characters, some of her titles in the work, but it's fresh and it's new. It's just been released in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and it's a great one if you want to be scared by short stories so you can oh. put them away in the freezer like Joey <laughs> did on Friends when you're too scared. <laughs> Ah, uh, Karen, what about Midnight Storm, Moonless Sky? So this is written by a Blackfoot storyteller, Alexander Soup, and uh, all of the, the stories are by him. This is not a, a conglomeration of different authors. So he plunges us into this really um, imaginative world of short stories. There's... Uh, topics that you would expect from Indigenous short storyteller. There's hauntings on the highway of tears. There's fe fearful gatherings of ghosts. There's lots about racism. Uh, and he kind of does this really, um, again, balancing act between the social anxieties of Indigenous life and these spellbinding flights of speculative fiction. So he's done a really great job with this. There's some uh, real life grounding in it though, a combination of legends, there's dark fantasy, but also you get to see some of the horrifying elements of, of just being indigenous in this world and, and what that means. Um, he's a, a newer writer on the, the scene. He started writing um, in prison actually, when he was um, doing some time for a, a crime and then he, uh, when he was um, released, he started taking writing um, classes and, and creative writing classes and was really encouraged by his teachers to, to continue. So this is, I think, is probably an up-and-coming writer that we will be seeing more of down the, down the road. Uh, excellent set of stories, really well-reviewed. Karen, I don't know if this next author is someone who's up-and-coming. They've probably already arrived, but... Jordan Peele used to be one of the best comedians in the world and has really in the last six, seven years become a fixture in the modern horror movie scene. But now he's dipping his toe into the literature world without their scream screaming. Yeah, so as you alluded to, he's the visionary writer and director of movies like Get Out and Nope, and he curates this really groundbreaking anthology of all new Black horror stories, exploring not only the terrors of supernatural, but again, some of the realities of justice that sort of haunt uh, modern world today. It's a wonderful mix of horror, science fiction, folklore, social commentary from the Black perspective, and it grapples with, again, really deep themes, not only just horror, but death and grief, racism, technology, even spirituality. I'll just highlight a couple of the stories that are in this one. So one of the stories begins with a cop 
uh, seeing huge blinking eyes where the headlights of a car should be that he had just pulled over. There's two freedom riders that take a bus ride that leaves them stranded on a lonely road in Alabama where there's several unsettling somethings that are awaiting for them. And there's a young girl that dives into the depths of the earth in search of the demon that's killed her parents. These are just a few of them. The anthology is um, beautifully connected. There's an all-star roster of, of authors. Um, Aaron E. Adams, folks might be familiar with. Violet Allen. Um, let's see who else is on this list. Rebecca Roanos. Uh, Nicole D. Scornier's. There's a really an interesting collection of authors for this one. And I think that it's... Um, uh, the, one of the reviews said that it's a masterclass in horror and it's like his spine chilling films. It's a story to prey on everything we think of, we know about the world mm. and redefine what it means to be afraid. I'm kind of afraid to read this book. Modern. <laughs> like that, that's the one thing about Jordan Peele. Like not all the films have been as good as Get Out, but it's modern. The guy's got a real aesthetic that he's going for and he's really figuring it out. Karen, thank you for this. <laughs> have a great day. Oh, sorry. Did I, I, I cut you off there? I'm sorry. I was just going to say that I agree with you, that I think he's a real force for, for Black voices in, in cultural and society. Yeah, big time. Karen, thank you for this. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. That's Karen McKay. You can find Karen as the communications manager at the Center for Equitable Library Access. And all of those books that you just heard featured in the CELA featured selections are available on CELA's website, celalibrary.ca, celalibrary.ca, C-E-L-A library.ca. Coming up after the break, let's say I guaranteed your safety. What, what exotic animal would you care for? John Lepke poses that question in the roundtable chat. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.